0: This coming year is a great time to be open to new things coming through because we really are in this transition phase of this old paradigm to a new paradigm, and we are the ones that are going to be birthing that new paradigm. We're the ones bringing through the new ideas, the new visions, the new technologies, the new inventions, the new teachings. Like It's all about the new, and it's about the old being released
1: you're listening to Divine Harmony, my very special guest on today's episode of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Harmony is a renowned astrologer, teacher, and writer who runs a successful membership site centered around her astrological offerings. And if you're an avid listener of our show, you'll remember Harmony from episode 137, which we published back in December of 2019. We received such an outstanding response to that episode that I thought it would be fun to have her back on the show this year. Today's episode is full of honesty, hope, and practical advice about how you can make the transition from an old way of doing things to a new paradigm. If you'd like a breakdown of 2020 and a sneak peek at 2021 from the perspective of a top astrologer, I have a feeling you'll enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Harmini back onto the show. As always, I'm your host, Eric Ternison, and this is episode 162 of the Subscription Entrepreneur Podcast. Hey, Harmony, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me again.
1: Of course, it's my pleasure. I noted that exactly 371 days ago was the last time we recorded a podcast episode. And I feel like we touched on some of the themes we're about to experience in 2020 during that podcast, but we hadn't gotten into the year yet and we really had no idea what it was going to be like. But I remember we were talking a lot about shadow work and basically that it was going to be a year where it was going to be useful if people are going to take some time and develop some tools that they could use to explore internal landscapes and their own personal relationship with themselves. But then the year happened. So here we are. And I'd love to take a step back (laughs) and, and look back at all we've experienced. And so let's start by just seeing how things were for you in 2020 and what trends and shifts have you noticed from your unique vantage point over the last year?
0: Well, I will say, I mean, this year, I feel like my whole entire life prepared me for being able to manage this year like first of all having an online business has proved to be an incredible asset
1: yeah air high five
0: yeah (laughs) and that was I mean you know the way that all happened for me I never like planned on having an online business it was a friend of mine who was really into stuff like this that kind of planted the seed and got me going and got me a membership website and then I ended up transferring to you guys because the one I used before sucked and a member mouse helps my business and so much. So this year, just being able to work from home, my daughter already was homeschooling for two years. So there wasn't a lot of change for us. I've already worked from home. She already homeschooled. So wasn't as many chaotic, sudden shifts as I think many other people had. And I'm grateful for that. I definitely was grateful because there was a lot of people I've been helping just support through this intense year, through personal readings, through classes. I actually taught more classes in the first seven months of this year than I have in the previous years. Like normally I teach maybe two classes a year. I taught four through July and all of them were either through when COVID hit or half the class was during COVID. And my students were just like, oh my God, I'm glad I have these teachings right now. It's giving me something to focus on. Life is so insane. I'm trying to make sense of what's going on. And astrology is really becoming like an anchor for me. And so I was really grateful to be able to offer something that was helping people when life was like turning upside down.
1: Can I ask you a question about that, the anchoring aspect, Cause- Some people may not or be different levels of familiarity with astrology and whatnot. And can you just give us maybe a little bit of a overview of of how astrology can provide insights and anchoring for people and, and how it can be used in people's lives that you've seen?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So the astrology that's happening like today or this week or this year is kind of like the cosmic weather. So if you hear that a big like storm is coming or there's a big cyclone heading in or it's going to be beautiful weather and great beach day or whatever it like gives you information about how to meet what's incoming like if a big storm's coming depending on where you live you might be wanting to like <laughs> tape up your windows or cardboard your windows or if it's a nice day hey maybe you like, have a half day at work so you can go to the beach. It, like, gives you information about how you can meet what's present. And that's what astrology does. It literally shows you the cosmic weather, what's in coming, both for everybody, which would be called the mundane astrology. That's, like, The astrology everybody's dealing with that's happening all over the planet. And then there's your personal astrology, and that's what's going on based on your personal chart, and that's unique to you. So the mundane astrology tells you, like, what's the cosmic weather for everybody this year? We're all going to have our different experiences of it, but there is this overall energy that's present. But then understanding how it affects you personally can also help you to meet what's arising. You know, sometimes you've got periods of time where there's really positive astrology in your life. There's energy of expansion and it's a great time to start new things and to initiate new cycles in life. Other times you have periods of time where it's about endings, about completion. It's about dealing with the past that's been unresolved so it can feel kind of karmic. But there's also opportunity in that. So astrology just like lets you know the energy is present. And then you can bring more consciousness to how you choose to meet that. You know, I'm not a fatalistic astrologer. So I don't think like, oh, there's this transit. This is gonna happen to you. You're gonna do this, you're gonna do that. I see it as like, here's the energy that's present, here's the highest you know, manifestation, here's the lowest manifestation. How do you want to play this? (laughs) What level of consciousness do you want to bring to meet this and then affect your life, be in the driver's seat of your life? So this year, there's been some overarching kind of astrology the whole world has experienced. And what's been so striking about 2020 is it it's really has been this example of like, whoa, everybody on the planet is dealing with something. I mean, there are other examples of that, especially as like the environmental crisis and stuff starts getting more intense and more of us are feeling it. But this was something that like really affected everyone, you know, rich and poor, old and young. Of course, we all have our different experiences of it and our Privilege definitely informs how we experienced it. <laughs> but it's it's been so fascinating. And then everybody's got their personal experience of that. So like my classes, I was teaching astrology, teaching people how to, to work with the chart and, and read the chart. But then in my readings, it was all about people one-to-one. And it was just, I remember right from the beginning when this all began, I was like, wow. I'm not just doing a reading for somebody. I'm doing a reading for somebody in 2020. Like there's a whole underlying current in my readings now that wasn't there before that could apply to everyone. It was kind of a trip, actually, in the beginning. I I was just like, wow, you know, this is from a witness perspective. It was kind of trippy. I'm used to it now because we're... You know, right however
1: <laughs> yeah yeah and in a recent blog post of yours there was an interesting excerpt from that that i'll, I'll read now because i think it kind of speaks to what you're you're covering now about the year and what you said was up until now we've had a vision dream and idea of the age of aquarius and now it comes full term and is birthed out into the world but as anyone who has given birth knows Right before the baby is born is the most intense part of the whole experience. Consider this a metaphor for 2020. Yeah. So, whenever I think about Age of Aquarius, I get that picture in my mind of the 40 year old Virgin movie when they're singing the, the Age of Aquarius and like running through the fields at the end.
0: Oh but anyway,
1: beside the point. So, Age of Aquarius, let's dive into this.
0: Well, so that's the end of 2020. So we're heading into winter solstice, December 21st. For those in the Northern Hemisphere, it's winter solstice. For those in the South or Southern Hemisphere, it'll be summer solstice. And in the cycle of the wheel of the year, winter solstice is the time of the rebirth of the sun. It's The solstices literally mean sun stands still, the sun appears to stand still. If you were to track the sun every day at noon for 365 days and like take a picture and then put it together in a compilation picture, you would see the sun dip to the lowest point in the sky at noon at winter solstice. And then it would be at the highest point in the sky, it's summer solstice. And depending on where you live, it can be much higher, much lower. Obviously, if you live close to the equator, it's going to be less variation. But in like the North Pole and the South Pole, it's a huge difference. And so the winter solstice is the moment the sun is at the lowest point in the sky. And then it stands still, apparently, for three days. It doesn't literally stand still, but it's when we track it. And then it rebirths itself. It starts its cycle through the wheel and it starts ascending in the sky to the highest point again at summer solstice. And so it's this metaphor for the rebirth of the sun. And there's all these different myths and stories of sons of God or sons of the goddess, the mother goddess, being born at or days after the winter solstice. Jesus is not the only one. Dionysus, Krishna, Mithras. There's many sons of God that were born, Horus, that were born at this time, at the time of the rebirth of the sun. So it's this powerful time that's about birth. And then this year, we actually have a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction on the winter solstice at the first degree of Aquarius. The Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions happen every 20 years, so it's the beginning of a new 20-year cycle. We're now heading into a new 200-year cycle where the Jupiter-Saturn conjunctions are shifting out of the elements of Earth into the element of air. Every 200 years, they focus on a certain element, so shifting out of Earth, which is very physical, and mundane, but also safe, secure, sticking with the old, and it's moving into air, which is about vision and new ideas and new inventions and connections and community and relationship. And so we're shifting into a new 200-year cycle. There's also all these articles flying around, I'm sure you've seen, where this is the first time in 800 years that Jupiter and Saturn have come so close. They're going to be six arc minutes away from each other, so they're almost going to appear to be a single star. And then there's the articles out there talking about how this is the return of the Christmas star, because there are thoughts that the star at Christmas that led the Magi to Jesus was actually two or three planets that were all so closely aligned, they appeared to be one single star. So there's that going on. But the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction is at the first degree of Aquarius. And the first degree of any sign is an initiation point. It's like the beginning of something, just like the last degree is the end of something. And Aquarius is this new age that we are moving into, or maybe we're in, like, it's really hard. The ages are 26,000 year cycle. So it's very hard to pick one exact day to go, this is when it really begins. I mean, it's like that level of precision, (laughs) but this is the perfect metaphor for when it officially is birthed out into the world because it's on the winter solstice when the sun rebirths itself with the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the first degree of Aquarius. So it's the birth thing of the age of Aquarius. For me, I feel like the age of Aquarius has been a vision, an ideal, a dream. There's been songs about it. There's been, you know, metaphors of it in the movies and, and the books or whatever. But now it's actually coming out and being born into the world. And again, like I said, and what you just reread to me is that as a mother who's given birth, those moments right before the baby comes out are some of the most intense. And that's why I said that's a metaphor for 2020 because up until the winter solstice, it's the birth portal. It's the labor. And it feels very apt looking back at 2020 (laughs) because it's been intense. I feel like all the shadow has been coming to light. that's not been acknowledged, not being looked at. I mean, there's so many layers of what's come up this year. Even people who are into metaphors and deep work and transformation are like, wow, this is the year for the books.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned something where you're talking about the Jupiter Saturn conjunction on the winter solstice and talking about the two hundred year cycle. And you know, if I'm getting any of these numbers wrong, correct me, because you're definitely throwing out a lot of numbers. But, yeah. Sorry. Um you talk about <laughs> how we've been in earth or they have been in the earth element, which implies safety and security and now it's moving to air. Now that struck me when I heard that because the earth, is it potentially that what we learn to get used to is what we feel safe and secure in, meaning it's not necessarily earth itself that's safe and secure. Maybe it's just that we're used to it. And then air, once we get used to it, will also feel safe and secure at some point so it means that we're going to have to have a transformational shift in terms of how we exist under this energy
0: well so this so i okay so you're taking me into a whole another thing that i'm supposed to write a blog on i haven't had time yet but so (laughs) (laughs) so Whenever something new comes in, it starts off right as innovation, as something amazing, and then it becomes established and then it becomes the norm. But then it can also get old and stagnant and stuck because it started off as revolutionary and evolutionary, but then, in order to endure, to keep going, to maintain power, it then eventually came dogmatic and rigid. You can see this in the myth, in the Greek myths of Uranus, Saturn, well, the Greek and Roman myths of Uranus, Saturn, and Jupiter. Uranus was the father god and his wife Gaia had all these kids and He loved Gaia, but he didn't like his kids, and so he wouldn't let her birth them, so he forced them to stay in the Earth. And she was pissed, and so one of her kids revolted against him and castrated his father and took over the power from his father, and that's Saturn. Well, the same thing happened to Saturn by Jupiter. Jupiter was the son of Saturn. Saturn ended up becoming controlling and dogmatic and ate his children because he was told one of his kids was going to usurp power from him. And then Jupiter did the same thing to Saturn. So there's like this passing down of this patriarchal karmic father thing in the Greek and Roman myths of the sun overthrowing the father, the new overthrowing the old, but then the new will eventually become old and it will also have to be overthrown. (laughs) And so it's this yeah, it's the new energy that's coming in now, but at a certain point, it's going to become stuck and stagnant and old paradigm.
1: <laughs> yeah. And there, that whole trajectory, I mean, is fundamental to so many things. Like just look at the three letters of Om, which map to the creation, maintenance, and annihilation, and the three primary gods of Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, right? So, it kind of indicates that this is just, I mean, this is just a fundamental cycle that's spirals through every single fabric of our reality
0: and you can see that in astrology because there's the triplicity of the signs there's cardinal fixed mutable and cardinal is the initiating signs that start the seasons fixed are the maintaining signs that maintain the season it's the midpoint of the season and mutable signs are the ones that end things and move into the new cycle so it is it's that triplicity of initiation, maintenance, and destruction. But in our culture, we've become so polarized to starting things and maintaining them, and we're afraid of the death part of the cycle.
1: Even though we leverage it all the time, it's also a part of our reality, but we don't don't honor it in the same way.
0: Like, for example,
1: growth of food. Death is wrapped up in that. I mean, the natural cycle that nature goes through, there's the plants, the mushrooms, and other things that feed on death and then they supply life and there's these characters that play these roles of it's a recycling process that's all it is it's not like good or bad it's just simply the stuff that reality is made of it serves a function and it needs to be recycled before it can be transformed and rebuilt into
0: the new thing yeah it's the organic process you know that makes me think of like Farming and the regenerative practices that are starting to become more popular now, thank God, because we've totally messed with the cycle of life and planting, putting on chemicals, and trying to get land to produce year after year without letting it lay fallow. And I mean, we're just, we're really just totally trying to (laughs) dominate. We're very
1: imbalanced, (laughs) basically. Oh my
0: God, yes.
1: So in 2021, are we expecting from The uh, forecast of the cosmic weather to see somewhat a continuation of this purging and cleansing process? Or is there some sort of shift?
0: There is a shift. I mean, first of all, in 2020, two of the dominant things were Saturn conjunct Pluto, which started a brand new, like, 40 year cycle. But on the positive side, it's like mastery over transformation and shadow work and empowerment. The shadow side is like control, dogma, resisting change the old ways of doing a being, not going out without a fight kind of a thing. And then we've had Pluto square Eris and Eris to me is her fingerprint is all over this year. Like Eris, (laughs) even when I saw (laughs) she's the goddess of discord and chaos, but she gets a bad rap. She's amazing, but she, she doesn't create discord and chaos. She reveals. So she pulls back the veil and goes or the curtain and goes, look who's back there pulling the strings or look what nobody's looking at. Or, like there's so many layers being revealed right now that it's just fascinating. And so she carries over. Pluto squares airs two more times next year. So we have that. But the good news is after actually coming up this week on Thursday, December 10th, we have the third Ares square of 2020. And then we have two more next year, I think August and October. And so we're at the halfway point this month. And we've been in the frequency. So it's like, I don't want people hearing, oh my God, what's happening this year is carrying over to next year because it's not the beginning of the energy. It's always the beginning that tends to be the most intense. It is still carrying over though, revealing the shadow, the upheaval that needs to happen because the old order is just so entrenched and resistant to change. But we also, one of the biggest transits next year is Saturn square Uranus. And it's funny because Jupiter's conjunct Saturn here at winter solstice, and the next year Saturn will square Uranus, Jupiter will also square Uranus. And these are the three gods that have this father lineage karma, (laughs) each overthrew their father. Jupiter and Saturn are kind of polar opposites, so are Saturn and Uranus. So Jupiter's expansion, Saturn's contraction, Jupiter's luck, Saturn's hard work, Jupiter's positivity and optimism, and Saturn's reality, you know, realism, but also pessimism sometimes. And Saturn and Uranus are equally very different. Saturn's the old, Uranus is the new, Saturn's the past, Uranus is the future. Saturn is the old guard, the tradition, Uranus is the revolution and the invention and the innovation, but also the rebellion. And so we're having a square between the old and the new. And what's so fascinating also is Saturn rules Capricorn, which is the sign we're moving out of that was so dominant this year as both Jupiter and Saturn move into Aquarius on the solstice. And Uranus rules Aquarius. So we're also just getting an activation of this transition. It's like we really are at a turning point. There is an old way that we have been on this planet, and it hasn't just been for the last hundred years or the last thousand years. I actually think it's been for the last 5,000 years. And we are coming to the end of this way of being. For me, a big piece of this, I literally just wrote a whole blog on the eclipse that's happening next week and I talked about it. For me, a big piece of this is bringing back the divine feminine to be in balance with the divine masculine. We've lived in a very patriarchal consciousness that's like demonized and belittled the feminine and not just women, like we control, dominate and take from the earth and the earth is a feminine element, and we refer to the earth as Mother Earth, but we rape and pillage her, and we destroy her, and we dump toxic chemicals into her water, her blood, her air, her lungs, our breath. (laughs) So it's like our disrespect and dishonoring the feminine has nothing to do, or is also related to women, but it's not just women. It's the feminine within. It's emotions and honoring our feelings and It's the earth and it's how we respect and honor creatures that are weaker than us, that don't have a voice, the animals, the children, the elderly. And to me, this is a huge part of the rebalancing of the scales. Like we've gone way too far in a direction. And if you just look at that lineage of the sons overthrowing their fathers, it's based on a dominance model. I'm going to take power from you. I'm dominating now. Like, But that it's just replicating the same thing over and over. So there's always like somebody rising to dominate and take from someone else, whether it's a culture or a religion or a country. Or
1: in business, if it's, there's always a new technology and it's constantly in the way that businesses are run, constantly looking, how can we improve the numbers? How can we improve the numbers? But rather, but not like taking any time to reflect on where one has arrived and be in the moment and the present with it again the more feminine aspect it's not a dominating energy it's it's um I don't know what the opposite of domination is but whatever that is
0: well to me it would be more it would be like inclusive like like a round table kind of thing instead of one person at the head or yeah so like to me this is such a huge thing but this is like the beginning of something that's like a long unfolding. Like it's not like, oh, all of a sudden, winter solstice 2020, boom, there's a shift. Everything's changed. Like it's the beginning of a process.
1: Well, it seems to me at the heart of this, at least in terms of a navigation tool, the shadow work stuff plays into it, but mm, letting yes. go, <laughs> surrendering, right? This is a feminine quality. And yeah. When things are shifting and there's no, quote unquote, solid ground to stand on, whether it's in the physical world and things in the physical world are shifting around, or whether it's in your internal world and old ways that you thought or were, you can't be anymore because you're forced into a different situation. The resistance is the actual thing that's creating the suffering. It's not the situation itself. It's that there's resistance to it and a lack of surrender and acceptance.
0: Yeah. No, it's totally true. You know, for the second half of this year, so when I had all these classes on my schedule to teach, it was before I knew that we were going to have like massive lockdowns. I knew 2020 is going to be a big year, but I didn't predict there was going to be massive lockdowns. I don't know if anybody could have predicted that, but I had all these classes back to back and I had hired a new part-time nanny for 20 hours a week because I'm a single mom and I have my daughter full-time. And so I was teaching all these classes with no childcare (laughs) and having my kid the whole time. I was just like, I mean, I made it through. It felt like a marathon. I love what I do. So it was like teaching brings me joy and at the end of my last class, at the end of July, I just like was like, I need downtime. I was supposed to teach one or two things this fall, and I pulled them off my schedule. I was like, I just need to go inside. I need to resource myself. And it's hard because in this culture it's not very supported for people to do that. It's like, nope, power through. Nope, you're supposed to keep working. You're the one that's helping people make sense of what's going on right now. You need to keep pushing through. And I was just like, I can't. share your voice. Yeah, exactly. There were so many times I was like, I feel all these things would come through and I'm like, I should write a blog on that. I should do a workshop on that. I'm like, I can't. So I just like kind of sat in my own stuff and just sat with the things coming through. I arrived here in Oregon, I moved like the day before the fire and then like collapsed after the fire. And I'm just starting to come back out of that. You got a new car. I got a new car. Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know that. Yeah. That car helped us move up to Oregon. I couldn't have fit everything in my Prius. (laughs) And so we have to honor that. Like it's not just go, go, go teach, 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 build, 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 output, output, output. Like you have to have Input, you have to have downtime, you have to, you have to be able to rest and restore. And like that needs to be honored and seen as important.
1: <laughs> Again, honoring the feminine. And this is a really interesting thing because you're a female-bodied person, and you also just express that you have your business. A lot of it comes from the masculine aspects of yourself. And you needed to put those aside and be like no i need to go with the more feminine aspects of myself right now and to take care of myself it's all about that balance bringing things back into balance and people make this mistake not just in terms of the masculine feminine thing the male female thing but even when reading scriptures people always or really anything when someone in the moment speaks a truth There's an energy behind that. Again, this might be a feminine quality to listen more to the subtext than the actual words and the physical, hard, concrete thing that's being said. Because ultimately, when people give teachings, it's not the teaching. It's not the words. The words are dead. It's the vibrant energy that delivers them that those words sprout out of. That is the real teaching so, as soon as anything becomes crystallized, our people are fighting over the duality of things like, oh, no, it's men versus women, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, or it's this versus that. It's clear that there's been a disconnect from yeah, the, <laughs> the deeper energy, which ultimately is nature. And if that's misunderstood over a long period of time, it ends up, I think nature has a way of correcting that, which is to make it more and more physical, make the fact that the imbalance is happening more and more apparent through things that manifest in the world so that people get the point.
0: Totally. Yeah. And so, honestly, disruption and chaos and things coming to light, like they're not fun, they're not a walk in the park, but they're actually a good sign that we're headed in the right direction. The definition of apocalypse, it comes from the Greek word apocalypsia, which means lifting of the veil of illusion. So apocalypse isn't really about the end of the world. It's about lifting the veil of illusion, which is really appropriate for the astrology we're in right now and and in January, because we actually are heading into Neptune, squaring the nodal axis. It's exact January 5th and January 26th. There's two variations of the node and the eclipse happening, the total solar eclipse on December 14th is square Neptune and really Up until throughout January, it's getting triggered by different planets. And this is all about needing to see where we're not seeing, where we're deluded, where we're in denial, where we're checking out, where we're being deceived, where we're escaping, where especially, you know, I have to say, I don't think I've ever experienced the nodes, the transiting nodes in such a visceral embodied way as I have this year. Because the karmic south node is in Sagittarius, which is a beautiful sign. It's it's one of the teacher signs. It's spiritual. It's philosophical. It's optimistic. It's ruled by Jupiter. But the shadow of Sagittarius, which is highlighted by the karmic south node, is hubris, self-righteousness, dogma, thinking I'm right and you're wrong. That's what I see flying around all over the place right now. Like Everybody thinks they're right and that other people are wrong. And like the North Node in Gemini, the opposite sign, this is a callback to beginner's mind. That place of not knowing, that place of asking questions, not to find the answers, but to be with the questions, to see other perspectives, to put your, your feet in other people's shoes. I've heard so many judgments from people all over the map, from all sides of every dualistic Everything. battle. <laughs> yeah. I've heard so many judgmental statements about the other. And I've seen so much dehumanizing of people. And it's been like kind of a trip. And I feel like the biggest illusion that we need to dispel is the illusion we have around ourselves and our brightness where we think we're right and others are wrong. To me, the Aquarian ideal is really about coming into that place of what is common ground. Where can we agree? Where can we work together? Um, I saw this picture, it was like a meme or a cartoon actually, where there were these people fighting each other and they had signs and they were clearly like Democrats and Republicans or you know, whatever. Like it was just like opposing beliefs and they were fighting each other and you're close up. You see them with their little signs and screaming at each other. And then it pans out and it pans out until finally the last image is it pans out. You see the earth and you see these tiny little people on the earth screaming at each other, but you see all the other planets and the stars around the earth. And you realize how small we are compared to everything. And you realize that when we're myopic and we're just so focused on our stupid little argument and judgment, and we're not seeing the bigger picture, we're not realizing that we all live on this planet. Like we have something in common and we need to fully realize that so that we can work together. We're all human. We're all earth beings. We all have heartbeats and we all have the potential for consciousness. Like these are the places we need to meet in order to evolve and really activate the full potential of this like transition, otherwise we're just going to completely devolve into more war and more conflict, and we're going to destroy right. each other.
1: <laughs> but that's not going to happen because ultimately, what you said is when the definition of apocalypse is the removal of illusion, which is equivalent to realization. Because true realization and to realize the facts that you're talking about, all this is happening because of resistance of people not wanting to let go of the illusion. The illusion is that there is a right and wrong, that this has to do with something regarding information or some fixed perception of the world to realize. And the thing is, people are trying to deal with this change, not with a true transformative approach, but just by quickly trying to find another solid ground. So within days or weeks, people may find, you know, because some side seems better equipped or have a better point, they'll jump over to that side to find stability. But ultimately all these things are going to come crashing down because the illusion is that there is a right and wrong outside of the moment in any way. What is to agree on something? And when does agreement matter except in the face of a moment? Why should there be a book written? There's no, anytime you fix something, it's ripe for destruction. I think that when the apocalyptic aspect of this the destruction of illusions fully ends its cycle the true transformative result of that is that fundamentally people will be in the world differently it's more of that again the feminine aspect of what's the difference between going in the walk in the woods and being in the woods and having an agenda while you're in the woods, trying to capture something, trying to... Uh,
0: Effort. <laughs> right,
1: exactly, something. It's There's a fundamental difference between those two ways of being in the world. And you talk about the difference in scope of size of how we're just these little things on the planet and the universe is vast. But the individual experience is that this one idea, this one, I see something and I feel this spark within me, the lights of fire inside of me, That's all consuming. There is no universe bigger than that in in terms of individual experience and people act from this place. And that's when all this destruction gets created. And so to really be like, to actually experience the vastness of reality is to, yeah, in contrast, remove this film that we create within ourselves where we make an idea or a thought or an emotion such a big thing. Based on our belief system or based on who knows what, it comes about through different ways. But if, if uh, we're not as drawn to those things, then there's, there's a naturalness which will just seep into the larger environment. I mean, we're going against nature. It's hard to do that. It takes energy <laughs> to do that. So, oh the, the solution <laughs> yeah. is to use less energy, to let go, to stop being so much something.
0: Yeah, flow with nature. There's times for beginning and times for ending and times for action and times for rest. And each of us have our own journey with it. It's really like trying to find that right balance. Yeah, it's why I love astrology because these cycles show you these times of beginning and these times of ending and these times of initiation versus maintenance versus destruction for creating space for the new. You can see it in the cycles. It's like a a great little timeline. Yeah. (laughs) Cosmic timeline. (laughs) (laughs) I recorded
1: a podcast last week or something, and it was kind of a freeform podcast. I was a little bit surprised that the energy that it took, because there was kind of an outline, but the energy of what we ended up talking about was completely different and actually different from the energy that I've been feeling for most of this year. And it was the first time I think I've personally felt that I created a channel within myself to experience potentially what next year will be like. And the feeling that I was getting in talking to this guy, Miles Beckler, the sense of opportunity, enthusiasm, That there's work to be done and yet the energy is available to do it and it's going to lead to good things. So we talked just a lot about doing something starting, but also being cautious not to be on your own track. Like don't guide what you're going to do based on where other people are at and have that inform you. Just be the pure expression of your own interests and do that consistently and something great will come from that. And I wonder if, in your world, if something supports that.
0: Well, that's perfect for the Saturn-Uranus square, because Saturn is the old, but Saturn also establishes new cycles, especially conjunct Jupiter with the Aquarius, Jupiter conjunction. And so Uranus is about the new innovation, invention, being a unique individual. You know, it's like this coming year is a great time to be open to new things coming through because we really are in this transition phase of this old paradigm to a new paradigm. And we are the ones that are going to be birthing that new paradigm. We're the ones bringing through the new ideas, the new visions, the new technologies, the new inventions, the new teachings. Like, It's all about the new and it's about the old being released, but it is a bit about the baby bathwater metaphor though. You know, it's like, you're not just throwing the baby out. Like there's a lot of dirty bathwater and this poor little baby has been like bathed in a dirty bath (laughs) for way too long. And so we need to drain it and get rid of that and clean things out. But there's stuff from the past that still can be brought in with us and still are foundational and great, but there's a lot of things that aren't. And so to just be true to yourself and to, I don't know, one of my favorite quotes is like, follow your bliss and doors will open for you, you know, by Joseph Campbell. It's like allowing that to lead you, which, you know, brings us into like a whole other thing. I don't know if you want to get into this, but I had this whole discussion with a friend recently about universal basic income. And like, I actually see that as being kind of, like a positive potential because so many people are just working to make ends meet. Yeah.
1: Something in that energy. Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. Like, well, my friend thinks it's not a good thing. (laughs) So we were having this interesting debate and I like to understand both sides of things because like, for me, it's important to understand why would somebody think that what's there? Well,
1: Personally, I'm not qualified enough to get into solutions of thing, but the energy of universal basic income, as I understand it, which is, something where the highs and the lows between how people are living isn't so bad. I don't don't know how you solve that problem. Exactly,
0: and it it reminds me of like Maslow's basic hierarchy of needs. You know, the bottom, you need like food and water and a place to live and you need healthcare. If you can't even just have that for yourself, you don't have time for self-realization, for enlightenment, for evolution and growth. You're just like living day to day, trying to pay your rent and get food on the table. So if we create something that helps provide, because I really feel like everybody deserves to have a home where they're safe and food that's healthy and healthcare. Like I think these are basic human rights. And just the vision of opening up a space, because today I feel like a lot of people end up doing work because they have to do it, because it pays money, not necessarily because it's what they love, and what they're passionate about, I feel very fortunate that my work is driven by that. I also have to say, I wasn't raised with the belief that I couldn't. My mom was very much like, "You can do whatever you want." Like she was, is <laughs> still very mystical and spiritual, so she didn't put me in any kind of shackles about what I could and couldn't do to survive in the world. And because of that, I didn't have a lot of things to like have to fight against when I got into astrology. It was just very. Like, oh, I'm doing this. Like, I didn't think it was weird and I didn't think I was crazy and I didn't question if I could m- make money doing it. Like, it just wasn't there. And I'm grateful for that. So I feel like part of it is deconstructing these old beliefs about what you have to do to make money, what you have to do to provide for yourself. Like, these old ideas of this is okay, but this is not. To me, that would be one of the best things to throw out the window and create space for people to find their passion. Imagine if everybody on the planet was living from their passion, like it was just truly doing what they loved. My God, that would change the world. Yeah,
1: Yeah, if it's it's possible, I'm all for that. And I think there are movements towards this happening because in my own personal community, I, I mean... Because I run a business, I often have people asking me about starting businesses and things. And it's clear to me very early on, a lot of people ask that question, don't want to start a business. That's not what they're interested in, but because they don't know how to support themselves. Like there's, there's like, there aren't a lot of mechanisms in place for people being supported in doing, like you said, what they're passionate about. But things like Patreon being around, I know there's a number of others like that. I think that's part of the energy moving in the right direction where people more and more have these things, these tools available to them to truly have a global connection with other people such that people can actually follow their bliss. And I think literally that's actually one of the, probably the underlying themes of that last podcast I was talking about because it's like, We talked about micro niches and we talked about what's most important is that you're enjoying it because creating anything, birthing anything takes consistent effort. You can't just like do it and then expect a result right away. And therefore, because it takes consistent effort, you have to be interested. I definitely feel a resonance that it would be nice if people could do more of what they enjoy doing. And I'm optimistic that there are the tools available for people to do that.
0: Yeah. And one other thing I would say about next year is really having an element of your business that is online, I think is really good. I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with technology because like being on my computer too much doesn't feel good to my body and my being. I make sure I get out in nature and I'm with the trees here in Oregon and you don't want to like just be so online that you're like not in real life. So there does need to be a balance. But it is the age of Aquarius, the age of information. And it's like, especially when there's a lot of earth changes going on and things happening, like to have an element of your business that streams for online so that if you can't go into work and you have to stay at home, you can work from home or, you know, like there's there's gifts from that, that I have really realized the value of this year in a very profound way. And I know there's a lot of people now like kind of going, oh, I need an online business. I've had so many friends tell me, Harmony, you're so lucky that you had an online business for years because you were just like prepared for this year. And I was like, I'm just going to thank the universe for that one because (laughs) that was never intentional on my part. So, yeah you know, and member mouse can be great for that. <laughs> Have a membership service. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Well, I agree with you. I think not only that we could interpret all interpretations are false at some side, but you, we could interpret what's happening as like, we're being forced into that. I mean, you literally physically are not allowed to go out in a lot of places. So how are you going to be connected other than digitally Yeah, for certain aspects? Right. So Certainly, if there wasn't enough reason for it before, there are definitely more reasons for it now. I think that's a safe way to put it.
0: Well, and then there's a light and shadow of everything, right? Because it's like in the shutdowns, especially early on, there was less pollution. All of a sudden, the waterways in Venice were clean. Like, I mean, it was like amazing to see how much our human activity contributes to the pollution of the environment. And so I was reading an article about like, oh, we're shifting to online schools and online businesses more and there's going to be less people driving and commuting to work. So then there's going to be less pollution. And and I was just like, huh, you know, there's always the good and the bad angle of everything.
1: Right. Wait. What's the bad angle in that?
0: Well, me? disconnection. Everybody isolated. Sure,
1: but it's an adjustment phase, right? Like it's it's that in-between phase of transition or destruction, like we were talking about, the most difficult part of the birthing process. But it'll come back around. I mean, we'll find the ways to make it work. But certainly what's great about it is it's not up to discussion. No matter how much discussion is going on, there's realities. And therefore it's going to constantly move people along in a specific direction and solutions will be found. Adjustments will be made. And we'll come to a new point of comfort in the way that things are. And we'll innovate and we'll find ways to get all our needs met and all that. But obviously in transition, the nature of it is that you lose your ground.
0: Yeah, because you're supposed to. Because you need to build a new ground. Right,
1: exactly. Exactly.
0: The foundation is falling apart and a new thing needs to be built from the ground up. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a very interesting time to be living. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So is there anything else we want to do to wrap up our conversation here about 2020, 2021?
0: No, I mean, I just, for me, I would just say like, stay open to new things coming through you, new inspiration, new innovation, but stay connected to your body and the earth and your emotions. Like honor the feminine and the masculine. Within, because like what we're birthing on the earth needs to be balanced. It cannot just be more of the same.
1: <laughs> if I'm someone who doesn't understand what you mean or how to make that into a practical reality, of when you say find ways to balance the feminine, what are some tangible things?
0: Thinking and feeling. Thinking is more young, masculine, feeling is feminine. So it's like, honoring feelings like don't just like if you feel some grief welling up don't just plow through your grief and dive into your work and push past your feelings and move on like sit with your grief where are you feeling it in your body like honor it all be out in nature especially if you work on a computer get out and hike or garden or like make sure you're connected to the earth and you're not just like plugged into the wi-fi constantly if you have very like powerful energy where you tend to like go 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 give yourself time to be and not do just like you said go out into the forest without any agenda and just maybe sit and listen to the leaves or or whatever inspires you for me yoga was a huge path of like coming into my body and honoring the feminine but there are some very young yoga practices that can not necessarily honoring of the feminine. So you sort of have to just feel it. Some people actually are really feminine and they need to activate their masculine. So everybody's on a different continuum. And I just think it's important to bring awareness to where you need to bring something in for balance because it's going to be different for everyone.
1: Do you already have some plans for the upcoming year in terms of what offerings you're going to put out there to your community to be of support? Or are you taking time for yourself more
0: no I definitely I feel like I'm coming out of the cave that I was plunged into for for the fall I'm doing there's a couple things actually in the next few weeks that I can mention and then I'll talk about what I have next year but it's not on the calendar so I don't have the date set yet I'm doing a 2021 astrology panel with 12 other astrologers with year of astrology where like 12 of us are given a download of what's coming in for 2021 it's actually free and it's this week, it's Thursday and Friday, December 10th and 11th. And I talk on the 11th and it's uh, like a free thing you can sign up for. The link is on my website. And then I'm doing a winter solstice online retreat, December 19th through the 21st with my dear friend and sister Siana Sherman and dear brother Masood Ali Khan. And it's like astrology, yoga, sacred music, ceremony, ritual, all calling in this new cycle and... I'm actually really excited about that. We did a summer solstice thing together as well. So we're like anchoring the solstice points of 2020. But my next year, I'm going to offer my astrology and your shadow course again. I actually, I did it this year in January and it ended and I think it was the first or second weekend of March. And it was like right when all the stuff was starting to go <laughs> down. <laughs> I was like, yeah. whoa, okay. And I can't tell you how many emails I got over those next months through summer of people going wow, I am so glad I signed up for that class because it (laughs) prepared me to deal with all this stuff. And I was like, wow, I'm grateful. So I'm doing that. And then I actually have this new class that I've done some stuff on. I did like a weekend workshop at a yoga studio, but it's fleshing out into a whole online course called Embodied Astrology. And it's going to be all about bringing the astrological awareness and the insight into the body, like not just have one of the things about astrology is it can kind of be heady. It can be very like, oh, your third eye and your crown are getting all these insights from the stars. And it's, you know, it can be kind of ungrounding if you're not anchoring it and bringing it into the body. And so it's this whole new thing that has been kind of brewing in me for a while and it's coming out into like a form. And then I'm also going to be doing something with women, women only. And I'm going to be teaming up with my sister Sienna, and that's still in the gestation form. And I'll have more to say about that in the new year, but it's going to be like a women-only program.
1: Great. All sounds very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, So last part about that is where can people find you to learn more about all these things? (laughs)
0: DivineHarmony.com. I write a lot. I have like free content. I have a membership service through MemberMouse and I teach classes. I do readings. I also lead sacred journeys to places like Egypt, but that's not happening right Right. now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. At some point. Cool. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and talking about all this stuff is very interesting as always.
0: Thank you for having me and happy Holy days, whatever Holy days you celebrate and everybody out there as well. And bringing a very big year to completion and, Ready to start
1: a new year. Amen to that. Thank
0: you.
1: Thank you so much for listening to my entire conversation with Harmony. I hope you're feeling excited, energized, and inspired for what's on the horizon in 2021. I'd also like to extend my sincere gratitude to Harmony for coming back on the show and sharing so freely from her perspective. To get the links to all the resources we mentioned in this episode, head on over to subscriptionentrepreneur.com slash 162. There you'll also find the complete show notes and a downloadable transcript of our entire conversation. And if you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more interviews with successful entrepreneurs, experts, and authors, be sure to subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. We have a growing library of engaging episodes with many more to come. So thanks for being here, and we'll see you next year.